Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. We are tonight's entertainment. I only have one question. Do you think I deserve your full attention? That's what I like to hear. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. You're listening to 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Script to Screen, and I'm your host, Max. And joining me here in the booth is Gideon. Hello. And today we are going to be talking about two movies. Uh, one is one of my favorites of all time, and the other one I've never seen before. We're going to be talking about Jurassic Same. Park. Yeah. One of these is one of my favorites of all time, and the other I've never seen before. Yeah, exactly. Uh, one is Jurassic Park 2 Lost World, and the other one is Zodiac, uh, Robert Downey Jr.'s movie right before he did Iron Man, right? Or was it... Yeah, pretty much one year before, yeah. Yeah. So, two two very different movies. Obviously, we're not trying to connect these thematically, but um, which one do you want to talk about first here, Gideon? I'll let you choose. I mean, I don't really care. I, I want to talk about Zodiac more, but... Uh, I know you're gonna not want to do no, that. No, uh-uh, <laughs> so. no. If we're if we're leaning and and weighing one one side or the other here, I definitely have a lot more to talk about with Jurassic Part Two. But all right, let's um, do Jurassic Part Two then. All right. So for anybody ten who years hasn't, apart, apparently 1997, 2007. So yeah, yeah. So for anybody who hasn't seen Jurassic Part Two, which is uh, apparently a lot of people, um, which surprises me given how popular it actually was when it. Um, when it came out, um, it's pretty much just following Ian Malcolm a couple of years after the events of the first Jurassic Park movie. Um, he is persuaded to go back onto one of the islands of, um, or of the Los Cinco Muertes, the mm-hmm. island chain there that has all these dinosaurs. He's, he's persuaded to go back on there and recover his girlfriend, who's kind of gone on as an early party uh, for this big research uh, thing that John Hammond is trying to trying to do before he kind of loses control of his company, it seems. Yeah. And then uh, they send in, then InGen, not under the reign of John Hammond, sends a second team to kind of take some dinosaurs from that island and bring them back to the mainland. And it's kind of the conflict of that. And obviously a lot of people die from dinosaurs and yeah. it's, uh, you know, from the rest of it, it's pretty much just like a fun Jurassic Park romp. So I think I surmised it pretty good there. Wouldn't yeah, you say? It's, it's very, uh, it's, it's very rompy. I would say <laughs> it's not, you don't, I, I don't think this has the, the same thrills or even horrors or, or philosophical, uh, understanding that the first one does, um, but it does have uh, you do have a good rompy time. Like you've got the dinosaurs, you've got the great set pieces, you've got um, like the jungle stuff happening. Like and there's and Spielberg, I think directs. Like I mean, he, I I don't know whether to say that he doesn't care about this material, but like I feel like he. <laughs> I don't think that's true. Um, I think because he, he obviously cares enough to construct a, a, a competent set piece. Like the stuff I was kind of blown away by how. Like just you know, it's just having fun with like dinosaurs. Like the yeah. T Rexes in this are just like I. I thought they the T Rexes. I don't even know if this is blasphemy or not. I think the T Rexes almost look better than they do in the first movie. Oh yeah, absolutely they do. Yeah, I mean, and they do both when they use actual like practical effects and when they do like the yeah. CGI. 
Um, and what one other thing that's kind of cool, other like they than just like, felt more, they just felt more physical to me. Like I feel yeah. like, I mean, and the 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 first movie is unparalleled in terms of in terms of the the boundaries that it broke. Um, and yeah, for like and one, visual effects, nineteen ninety three. Um, and this is ninety seven. So, um, but I and I, I think in terms of the way that the film uses the dinosaurs, I think the that the first Jurassic film is part film is more effective. Um, but just in terms of the way that they look, I think I was very surprised by like how real they look. Like when when uh when she's sitting in the tent, Julianne Moore is sitting in the tent, Ian Malcolm's oh, yeah. girlfriend, yeah. and and the and the dinosaur head just like peeks through, and it's like just right there. It's like that's great stuff. Yeah, very good. And <laughs> um, did I don't know if did you get a chance to watch any of those deleted scenes I sent you? No, you didn't. Oh, because. No. I was t I told you as we watched this because you and I watched this together um, like that there were a whole bunch of scenes that kind of fleshed out a couple more characters and kind of went in. There's about seven minutes I don't think needed to be cut that were that were part of those deleted scenes that really should have been in the movie. But um, yeah, it's it's great. I I really love the fact that pretty much for the entire movie except for maybe the last scene you actually see that baby uh, T Rex. Yeah. Um, it's always practical. Like they they have um, some sort of puppeteering, yeah. and it looks really, really good. And some of it, I'm like, how are they doing that? And they use um, uh, clearly like remote controlled stuff uh, for that. And it's just it's just great. I think their use of, of practical effects and visual uh, or yeah VFX uh, stuff is just is just really really. Yeah, and it's, it's a great blend too, and you know, and 1993-1997, it's like this. It looks great for especially the time period. Yeah, for, for ninety ninety seven, absolutely. Especially when you look at some of the other like, action movies just coming out. Well, just look at Jurassic World. Just compare the two. Um, or Jurassic World, uh, Fallen Kingdom, the second Jurassic World film, might even be a better comparison because there you do the same thing where they where they come off the island um, and come to come to uh, uh, regular civilization, um, and I think. That movie's so weird because like they commit to the whole we're or sorry they don't they don't commit they do the whole we're gonna come to regular civilization and then they spend the entire movie like getting them out like the half it's all like this haunted house movie almost where they're yeah. stuck there and they don't actually break out into what this movie does where it's just the T Rex romping through the city and like it's, it's so great. great I love and it so much the guy like I had heard about that but I I had heard that that was a thing like the T Rex gets lo set loose in the city but I was not prepared for how awesome that is oh it's, like it's great and yeah. when the kid like you know goes up to his parents like there's a dinosaur in the backyard like and then they start arguing about like the fit, like the nightlight and stuff Waking and then me they up see it. God. <laughs> And then the, it's eating the dog. Yeah, like, it's, it's so it's dark. Dog. Yeah, that one was... And the way that they do it is almost comedic. Because it's yeah. like, you don't see him eat the dog. You just see that it's got the chain in its teeth. I mean, it's, like, it's this movie is almost more... Uh, <laughs> frivolous and callous in the first one is just like dinosaurs chomp, chomping down oh. on everybody. Well, I learned, so one of the people you see the T-Rex eat when he's on the mainland uh, Yeah, that, that guy that was, that's the, what I'm talking about mostly, well, is like that was, that felt, that guy, like, okay, really? Did we need this? Well, that guy's a screenwriter. Oh, really? They put him in, yeah, the guy who's like trying to get through the door and it just reaches around and grabs him and yeah, yeah that's the screenwriter. Oh, that's film. funny. So they just put him in for fun. I just love that. But Or or the fact that they did like that Easter egg of like the Godzilla films of like, yeah. you know, the Japanese businessmen running away from it. And apparently if you have subtitles on, like they say, uh, you know, we left Japan to get away from this sort of thing <laughs> or something along mm. those lines. So they, they really do have fun with it. I think this movie really has great comedy in it too like yeah all of their their moments like, where and they, that's it as a blockbuster like it it succeeds is that like when you say comedy yeah 
but I mean, it has comedy that seems natural. Like I feel like a lot of Marvel movies and this kind of thing, like they're dealing with such serious stuff in their movies. They they wouldn't be joking <laughs> as much as they do. Are they though? <laughs> I I mean. <laughs> If you take a step back and you look at it from a practicality standpoint, then yes, you know, like this is an alien warlord trying to, you know, destroy the world yeah, and all sure. this other stuff. But sure. my point is that this one, the comedy feels more just natural and feels like it actually could be used in this sort of situation most of the time. Yeah. Like, you know, with Ian Malcolm always well, having I trouble think, with the with the radio yeah. and like Vince me, Vaughn's one-liners. Tonally, it's more to like tone control is more important. Yeah. Um, and this movie had like has that. Um, I mean, Spielberg is great at that. Like that's that's one of his biggest strengths is tone. Um, like I mean, you get you can have him moving the camera all over the place and and having great control of VFX and. Um, but like if you don't have actors doing what they're supposed to do and and communicating and and all that stuff coming into a co into a coherent tone, like it, it it'll fall apart. And this and as much as as many grudges I have about uh, how like pointless the whole thing kind of ends up being. Um, Tone is 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 consistent. Yeah, um, and that's why the jokes land. That's why it's a fun time. And I was surprised. I wasn't expecting you to be laughing as much as you were in that movie. Like for sure, the joke with the sign uh, at the dock. Like that's, that really that got you. That was the best joke in the movie. That yeah. really got you. I wasn't expecting it. Like <laughs> I I and you did. And you, but then you didn't laugh at the one with like all the police cars when they're chasing the T-Rex and then there's also a pest control van and that like backs up like really fast like or uh, or like a, a animal control sort of yeah. van. I thought that was hilarious that somebody yeah. called animal control on that. But um, yeah, overall, I love this film. I think it gets rid of most of the issues I have with the first Jurassic Park film and that being mostly... The annoying kids. Uh, this one's just who out. Who show up in this movie? Who show up? For but two they, seconds. They have like three lines. Which is really, I mean, that's really just a, you know, a, a, a nod. It's not, they're really not even part of the story at all. But during that sequence of the film, I was surprised at like how um, Spielberg, the way he shoots exposition is so interesting to me. Because um, like it's got that very classic Hollywood feel to it where you're going to put the camera on a dolly and you're going to kind of follow them around and, and figure out as they're just, you're not going to make it flashy. It's going to, I mean, it is, it's flashy to us in a certain extent, but like it's, you know, it's, it's communicating the information. It's doing it efficiently. Like it's, and I think uh, Mission Impossible Fallout also felt like this a lot where he's like, I love the opening scene of that because it's straight exposition. It's just like, here's all the complicated spy jargon, but he sits down, he opens the thing and they're just going to spit it at you. And then the thing explodes into smoke and it's like the coolest shot. Like it's just, they're, they're completely letting the style speak. Whereas, I mean, and so here it feels more this. classic Hollywood. Would, whereas that's more like just whereas in exposition it's like I feel like directors don't have enough fun with it so like, what was a really good example of Spielberg giving us exposition I'm talking about the scene with him and with Malcolm and Hammond where there when is he's giving him the dossiers about yeah, who's it, going on it this feels and, straight out of classic Hollywood the way he's with the way he frames it where he puts the camera on the and he's like you know following them around and you got this you get a real set with like I mean you I think of the scene between uh him and who is it in Indiana Jones Raiders of the Lost Ark I mean this and or even the scene with uh in AI with the the where they're looking at the at the thing with the with the information of how to how to pre-code him not pre-code how to unlock him to, what is it called trigger him however they call it whatever it's called to, Im to imprint 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 that's the word yeah 
Yeah, um, but, but it's but, just it's just it's Spielberg does this thing where he 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 just knows how to how to how to how to shoot a scene. With Raiders, are you talking about the scene where he's talking with the two government agents about uh, the art, and he's like sitting there with the, in that like. I can I see exactly what it looks like in my head. I don't for, I don't even remember what they're talking about though. <laughs> is it, it? Am I kind of on the right track? No, there I with think that? it was just him and one other person. It ends with him like throwing a gun on the on the on the on the seat. I think so. Like he, they're doing the whole thing, and then they pan down, and he throws the gun to where the camera just panned to, and that's the cut to the. I, I, mm. I, this is this is the image in my head. I don't remember what it actually was even about. Okay. Um, uh, and again, that's the point. That's really the point. I think is that you that you that you grasp the images that he's putting, like the exposition. You subconsciously, subliminally figure out, but then the it's the mm. you know the visuals that you're that you're grasping onto as as it's and it's like having fun with the scene. Yeah, and there's some movies that, that boring that are. And then you go look at Jurassic World and Jurassic Fallen Kingdom and all that stuff, and it's just like. You know, it's, I mean, modern blockbusters have this problem, I think, in general. I mean, you don't like to make broad statements, but, like, I feel like they just have these scenes where it's just, like, people talking, and it's just not interesting. Yeah. No, I, and, and I think certain movies have, like, overly complex and kind of, like, really hard to follow exposition scenes. Like, one movie, which well, is one of my favorites, is Club like, Paradise, and there are oh, definitely some moments. In, no, 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 no. Because <laughs> that's the but, great example of modern, or not modern, but recent Sorry. Well, it's all right. No, I I agree with Tenant too, but Tenant, kind. I mean, Tenant has Tenant as an example of it having fun with it. Ten Nolan is he's there's so much exposition in that movie, and it's all coming. But Nolan has fun with it. He like you know like this scene where they're sitting in a circle and this and the camera spins around them uh, as, in the one take as he. Sorry, go ahead and finish your. No, point. it's no. I think you're right. I th but I think Tenant suffers more from being hard to follow from a very complex system in place of like what the story is about yeah. and having to kind of rework how your brain takes in information. Yeah. Where, but like Club Paradise just has scenes where it's just like, what are they talking about? Like you just do not know. There's a, if you look up like movie clips on YouTube is. and you do that, there should be one. <laughs> has an 11% on Rotten Tomatoes. What? <laughs> Holy crap. Club what? Paradise. That's sad. It's a really good film. But um, there's like a scene with Peter O'Toole and Robin Williams and they're in a bar and it's just like them kind of talking about what they do, or he asked he asked Robin like what he's doing, what he does, and what he did, and it's just a really comp complex few paragraphs, and you're like, what what is happening? Yeah. Uh, so I don't know. But I mean, this is then this is the beginning of, the, of Jurassic Park two. What we're talking about, like this is the beginning of the film, and then after that, you get like you need that, and then you get into the the, the fun stuff. Yeah, and and I really do think it's just an absolute awesome action movie. I think it's. It just does. It has a little bit of every, a little bit of something for everybody, and I love yeah. that. But let you want to get uh, let's right get into, into scores here. Scores. So first impression. First impression. Uh, I've always loved this film. Ever since the first time I saw it, I loved it. I just, I've. It's always been like in my top twenty films of all time. So it was one of those ones that stood out. I would probably give it a ten. Yeah, the, I mean, I, I I had a good time with this. I think. It's it's fun to watch. I don't think it's anything special. Um, I'll give this a six. Um, like it's it's very much in in the realm of okay. Um, but again, like there's it's a it's a wholly entertaining experience. Like it's not really ever boring. Yeah. Um, and and the set pieces are all. I mean, compare that to stuff that you get today. I mean, again, compared to Fallen Kingdom. Fall, actually, I don't I don't want to say that Fallen Kingdom. Fallen Kingdom is a weird example because Fallen Kingdom does have like some decent set pieces. Like the thing with the with the Velociraptors chasing them through their house. Like that's a decent set piece. It just feels like the stuff around it is stupider. 
than than in Jurassic Park Two. Jurassic Park Two is not stupid. It's just felt felt overall weightless and meaningless rather than just downright dumb uh, and and obnoxious. Um, so I suppose that might be the difference. And the set pieces, are, I mean, obviously are better, but I don't think the 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 modern Jurassic Park films are are all that incompetent in that respect. Like there's some stuff, there's some inspired stuff in Jurassic World, like with the with the thing where it camouflaged. I mean, that's kind of dumb too, actually. <laughs> now that I think about it, but like where the where the T where the Indominus Rex like goes invisible, or like where the 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 flying raptor thing gets eaten by the giant shark whale, whatever it is. Yeah. Like I mean, there's some and there's some interesting visuals there. Um, so I don't want to discredit them entirely. Mosasaur, but, by the way. Yeah, Mosasaur. Uh, <laughs> I actually I'm terrible with most uh, dinosaur names, so that's just one of the ones I do remember. Yeah. But yeah. And by the way. Fun fact for anybody, mosasaurs were never that big. They were a lot smaller. They were more like just really big killer whales. They weren't like mm. the size of a of a blue whale like they show in the movie. <laughs> well, because if it wasn't that big, it couldn't take down the Indominus Rex. I mean, the blue whale is still the biggest <laughs> animal that's ever lived on Earth. Yeah. So, and this movie makes it look like it makes blue whales look small. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, so story is next category. Story, okay, so that is where it gets a little iffy um, for me a little bit. Just because I feel like there's, it's almost two different movies happening where you have, you know, them on the island and that whole thing with, you know, kind of talking about conservation and, and yeah. non, um, non-invasive observation of these animals. And, um, and then you have the second part of it, which is just like a T-Rex replacing Godzilla in a Godzilla movie kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, but I mean they kind of try to make that be the same idea cuz it's he's he's going the T-Rex is going after its its baby and stuff like that while mm-hmm. it's also destroying stuff. Yeah. Um but it's also trying to keep care of its own thing so it's like natural survival well, of the fittest stuff like that. And it's still a matter of like you shouldn't be messing with nature to yeah. this extent. You shouldn't be trying to play god with these animals. Right, but it's like, not really that in this. It's yeah. not really don't play god. It's it's more so conservationism and like and like leaving them alone. Not whereas, whereas the first one is don't try to play God. It's it's yeah. two different things. Um, right. And this one I think is just a lot less interesting in that regard. But yeah, um, I pointed out a plot hole to you early when we were watching that movie too. That just is very minor, but that does kind of lose like a half a point for me just because they didn't think to like reword oh, that. I, don't that, that one always. I mean, it's it's a yeah. funny little plot hole, but it's still one. And I don't know. Certain things about it just didn't seem to make sense. Like, yeah, how well, would I, John I, Hammond I, not know that no, this I, second team is coming and like that soon? And you know, Ingen's like his company. How would he not? I mean, I know he got kind of froze out by the board, but like he would know some of that. Sure. And so it just seemed like there were some weird things that coincided. Uh, but um, I don't know. I, I give it a. Seven for a story overall. Yeah, I mean, I, th- I I think the writing, comedy wise, and overall dialogue is really solid. It's just some of the plot points of this film don't work a hundred percent. Yeah, um, I think character wise, it's also like just comparing it to the first film. Malcolm is an interesting side character. I don't think he can hold a movie to himself. No, um, not as a I mean, as a comedic character, yes. As a as a actual character with depth, not really. Um, he doesn't have the the he has that i mean goldblum has the chops it's just the character is not all and interesting enough to 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 be the centerpiece um and then julianne moore is not super interesting uh uh then vince vaughn is like 
I think I don't like his character. Like his, he seems kind of pointless to me. Oh come on! Like he's like he has some funny things. I don't really understand why his character needs to be there though. He's he was a photographer. He starts out as a photographer. Yeah, I know, but I'm saying like he doesn't ever create any contrast more between. But like compare the dynamic between those three and the dynamic between. Uh, Sam Neill, Laura Dern, and Malcolm. Like, there's so much more like sexual tension and like possibility of like you know they're 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 antagonistic toward each other. They have philosophical differences. Uh, like here, it's just like well, Malcolm is at first really kind of upset with her for leaving without him and coming to the island, but then it's just like but but they don't really ever have any disagreement after that. They're just kind of the three kind of hanging out. Well, he's just trying to survive. I mean, well, there I isn't know, much it's just time. not interesting. There isn't that much time, but I think the reason there isn't like sexual tension is because him and 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 uh, I'm not saying there has to, I'm not saying but, there has to be sexual tension. No, I'm, I'm just saying that was an interesting aspect of the other one, and this one doesn't really know, have anything that it, gives it character it doesn't between have their that dynamics. They're already in a relationship. The well, difference between so that is, but the is so that creates the problem where it's just like why do they have to be like this? Just there's not, and then his daughter shows up, but it adds another thing, another, and that, and then his daughter doesn't really. I mean. Like it's there to. Sh- I mean, he. You got the dynamic between him and his daughter that mirrors the dynamic between the T Rex and the, its kid. Maybe like I don't I, think there's mm. a deeper symbolism to that. I think it's also just adding more. But I mean, just in it. terms of like him being a parent and like have and the idea of raising somebody in a crazy world. Like that's the that's the that's the. There's definitely a connection there of some sort, but it's just not all that interesting. Mm. I don't know. I still would rather see the kid in this one than Tim and. Uh, and what is the other yeah? Girl's I don't name. want to get into that again. <laughs> I just, I just, I my mean, those score kids, at for least, this, at least this girl I'll is independent. And six, I'll say five. It's just, it's really, it's mediocre. At least the girl in this, it's not the feature of this. What she's acting is the next category. It doesn't just start waving flashlights. Well, I know she knows Malcolm enough to go into the high is a good character in this, and <laughs> Goldblum does a great performance of him. Uh, he's playing Jeff Goldblum, like in yeah, in, in every movie, and it's great. Like that's what you want. Um, so like taking aside the fact that his character can't hold the movie, his performance of the character is you know it's great, it's fun to watch. Um, and same thing with Vince Vaughn. Honestly, he this like, is like one of his more serious movies too. Like, like his his character is kind of dumb, but like you get some funny one liners, and he does what he's asked to do, even if what he's asked to do is pointless. Julianne Moore, I mean, she, this is not her best work. Um, <laughs> Do you give that to Lebowski or what? <laughs> Prob- I mean, honestly, maybe. <laughs> like she pointed she, that out that she's Maude and Lebowski. I was like, what? Like I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. I was just. But like, she's in Children of Men. She's in Magnolia. Like she's in just she's in The Fugitive. Like she's just got so many better movies than this with Harrison Ford. Um, Fugitive. Yeah, apparently oh. I don't even know. Does she? She doesn't play his wife, does she? I don't know. I've never seen that movie. I just know of it. That movie's amazing. You got to see that movie. Mm. Well, there's a lot of movies everybody tells me I have to see that. Well, I wouldn't. I it's it's not to. it's not towards like the top of the list, but it's pretty good. It like took, it's it, it's a really good thriller. It took me until I was like 19 or 20 to see Top Gun finally. <laughs> like I, I, I mean, just I been in terms of uh, actually, it's not an 80s movie, but in terms of 90s thrillers, Fugitive is like is up there. Yeah, yeah. Um, they just really really well constructed. I don't. I I have no issue with the Boogie acting. Nights, I haven't seen that. I don't. I don't have any issue with the acting. I like every character. I think the only one that may not be totally up to snuff is the dude who's like the tech guy. Um, I can't think of his name. Um, the guy with the satellite phone. I. Yeah. I He's the only one I really don't like. I love the Hunter character from the yeah, second party. Yeah. He's really interesting, yeah. and he actually has a lot of depth. 
especially if you watch that deleted scene. They well, kind of I go, no, I agree. He definitely has more depth than a lot of the characters in the movie. And yeah, he's kind um, of an anti-hero towards the second half of the film because he's more now just kind of the leader, keeping everybody alive. Um, especially the businessman who has no has no uh, you know survival instincts out there. Yeah. Which there was another joke with that, like how nobody in that whole party is like that takes that dude seriously. Oh my gosh, he was in Inception. Who? The Ooh. hunter dude. Was he? Yeah. Who's he well, in Inception? He plays the. Who does he play? He plays. I I recognize his face now. He was. Who does he play? Well, he's in Inception, anyways. Hmm. With the acting, I think I I give it a nine. If. Yeah. Okay, um, I'll say six. Again, it's standard. Like, there's really nothing that distinguishes it either way, uh, positive or negative. Um, it kind of all evens out. Uh, look and feel. This one's really, really good, except for maybe some of the um, those tiny little dinosaurs, the, the croppies or whatever, tompies. Um, sometimes those look a little stiff and a little too corny, but still, overall, it's great. The visual effects are... Fun. I think their use of um, like digital digital or animals interacting with real life people is really really well done. There are some pretty flawless interactions uh, throughout the movie that I think are really worth note worth noting. Um, I guess like one downside though. I mean, I will give this probably an eight, but one downside is you're on this tropical island, but Clearly, they're filming a ton of the outdoor scenes in, like, Northern California. <laughs> I mean, you, you see they're in, like, redwood forests, like, literally redwood forests. And yeah. it's like, you're telling me uh, Isla Nubar or, or Isla... No, this is Isla Sorna. I'm sorry. Uh, you're telling me Isla Sorna is... Also has redwoods and stuff. This is, like, a Costa Rican island. This would all just be completely tropical rainforest. Like, it just... I don't know. It stands out yeah. if you know what you're looking for. Um, I'll give this a seven for look and feel. Also, What's there's a ton of pine trees in that area, too. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah. But, uh, all right. And our next category, then. Oh, sorry. What's your score? Oh, I give it an eight. Okay. Uh, experience. Uh, again, this is a 10. I've always loved this film a ton. And it's just like, if it's ever on TV, I will watch it. Pretty much until it's finished running. I don't care when I come into it. Like, I already know. And I can recite a ton of lines. And it's just, I love this film deep, like, deep in my heart. And it, yeah. it'll always, always be there. So, yeah, 10 out of 10 for me. I give this a 7. Like, I had a good, I had a good time with it. Like, it's it's fun to watch. Um, I don't know how much, yeah. Um, I don't really know how much. I, again, it shows kind of how shallow the movie kind of is. That all I really have to say about it is... I had fun watching it. I don't know what else. Like the, would you recommend it to somebody? I mean, uh, it's not. I wouldn't put it at the top of the list. If you've seen the first Jurassic Park and are like, I need more Jurassic Park. This is probably the second best one. Um, so like, if you if you have to watch another movie with dinosaurs killing people, then watch this one. Wait, you're um, telling me you don't like Jurassic Park three? You don't like the Kirby's? Jurassic Park three, I have not seen actually. Oh my God, so you've only seen the before this? Two. You only saw the first yeah, Jurassic and Park the and then ones. the two Jurassic yeah. World movies. Yeah, that is so weird, man. Okay, now we got to watch Jurassic Park three because that's got my favorite Dino 
whooping the T-Rex's butt and this mm-hmm. whole thing. So, <laughs> all right. So, all right. So, uh, do we have a final score then? Uh, let's wait until after the break. All right. So when we come back here in just a few moments, we will be beginning our review on Zodiac and we will give you our stores for Jurassic Park 2 Lost World. So stick around. Ever wonder where we get a word like muckety-muck? How about the whole kit and caboodle? I'm Martha Barnett, along with Grant Barrett. On Away With Words, we try to solve linguistic mysteries. And we want to hear from you about words and phrases, regional dialects, grammar, maybe an odd family expression you grew up with. Away With Words, Sunday mornings at 9 here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. And we're back here on 90.3 WRST-FM Oshkosh. This is Strip to Screen. Gideon and I are about to give our stores for, uh, or our final stores for Dress Part 2 Lost World. So Gideon, where are we at with that? Uh, scored a 75 out of 100, which puts it one above Alien Covenant, which got a 74. Um, interesting comparison there, kind of both sequels. One was a lot later, though. I think Alien, I honestly think Alien Covenant is a better movie than Jurassic Park 2. A lot better movie, actually. <laughs> Because I think they're both aesthetically enjoyable as like as like in their genre. I think Alien Covenant's trying to say more, even if it doesn't like fully succeed. But I whatever. Um, yeah. So Zodiac. Yeah, Zodiac. Here we're gonna play a little bit of a trailer here before we start getting into it. So have a listen, folks. Do you remember his name? No, but it was right after the murder at the lake. And what did you tell this officer? I told him that I'd gone to Salt Point that weekend to skin dive, that I was alone, but I met a couple there. I have their names at home if you want. That would be great, Arthur. Lee. What? Lee. Nobody calls me Arthur. Also, that day when I came home, my neighbor saw me. It was around four, but I forgot to tell the other officer that. Neighbor's name? Bill White. He died a week or so afterwards. Heart attack, so I didn't think to call to follow up. The knives I had in my car with the blood on them, that blood came from a chicken that I killed for dinner. And that was just a little bit of a a scene from the movie Zodiac from 2007. Uh, Very, very interesting film. Kind of longer for that time i i feel like people have just recently started really kind of pushing the runtime on movies uh more frequently but this one i mean it's like two and a half hours two two hours 40 minutes right around there mm-hmm. so i mean i don't know i feel like it's definitely more of a trade of more mo- like very modern movies to to kind of push the runtime further i think so no I mean, you don't agree compare i mean they made they were making epics in the 50s with the ten commandments and ben-hur I know that, but there was a time when it really went down, and it was like pretty much strict to like right around. I mean, a lot of classic Hollywood movies are going to be are going to be less two hours or less. Um, but I mean, they definitely have been making. Uh, I mean, it, with, if we're talking about if we're talking strictly within Hollywood, I mean, regardless of what happens outside the Hollywood system, um, inside the Hollywood system, there still were some that were you know pushing that. I mean, look, even awards movies, Pulp Fiction, Shawshank, Forrest Gump, just in 1994 alone, all well over two hours but 
Well, I don't know. I just feel I like... So, you I don't know why the three movies that came to my mind all came out in 1994. That's so random. That is Whatever. funny. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe you're looking at like stuff like that with, you know, seeing what your... Uh, or no, you said Jurassic Park. The first one was 93, so... But um, anyway, so Zodiac, uh, obviously it's about the Zodiac killer in the in 1969, 1970, right around that era. Um, it's about kind of the, was it the San Francisco Chronicle? Mm-hmm. Was it? That was kind of covering it and was getting sent letters. And so was the, they say the coroner and yeah. um, the police were all getting sent letters from the Zodiac killer. Um, a person that we still really don't know 100% who, who it was. Um, I mean, that, and that's what the movie's about, really. Yeah, it's just about their investigation and kind of the clues as they unfolded and, and about a guy who was working for the Chronicle as a, as a cartoonist and how he was kind of one of the brains that was really making some yeah. big big headway into who, who the killer was. W- um, what I meant was the movie's about, like, uncertainty itself, like the fact that we don't know and how do you grapple with that. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah. like, the fact that we don't know today, like, there's so many different uh, contradicting accounts and stuff like that. Or it's just, like, facts that don't add up together. It's just, like, you're, and our, our brains want to say, but but give me straight answer, please. Yeah. Um, so it's, like, how do you deal with that? And then we see that through the perspective of the dude who wrote the book that the movie's based on, which is another interesting fact about it, or an interesting aspect of it. Um, I mean, kind of similar to, not, not really, like, adaptation, but kind of, like, adaptation. And it's, like, you get, you see... Uh, a character written, sort of written through the lens of of himself in some ways. Like it's just a really interesting uh, see. Like because you think about all the all the scenes in this, where it's like, who knows what when um, could only be like filtered through like what this care what the character literally figured out in this movie. Yeah. Like all the information about the clues and stuff would have only been there by the th- the process we're watching him uh, discover. So like when he's at the end, like at, at their like the break into two or sorry the break into three when he's after the four years have passed and he's like doing his whole research and stuff, going through searching all this stuff. Like all that's that's the time where the movie's being written more or less. Like you know what I mean? Like when he's doing all that research and stuff, that's all of the facts and stuff that we've watched play out for the past. Uh, two hours or so. Mm, yeah. Um, also stars Robert Downey Jr. Right before he kind of had his big Hollywood comeback. Uh, you know, it's him and 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 who was that? Jake Gyllenhaal. Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah. Yeah. And then also Mark Ruffalo. So yep. So kind of a pre. My favorite pre- MCU movie. <laughs> yeah. It is weird that all three of them ended <laughs> yeah. up in MCU movies, um, though none of them were in the same MCU movie at the same time. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, Ruffalo and Downey were. Yeah, but I'm saying, you know, Joan Hall playing Mysterio. Oh, all three of them together. Sorry, yeah. Yeah, all three of them because they were in the MCU around the same era. But yeah, it is kind of interesting how that all worked out. So they all kind of... Well, and the the cast of this movie is so weird too because there's so many... I saw so many faces where I'm like, I recognize you from somewhere, but I have absolutely no clue where it's from. The guy who plays Lee, Um, I know I've seen him in something. So he's in Fargo. I knew. Yeah, he's definitely in Fargo. He's in, he's also in uh, he's also in something else. Um, yeah, the founder. He's in. Uh, that's where I know him from. Yep, the founder. I yeah okay. Yeah. That's yeah. He's one of the McDonald's brothers. Uh, Brian Cox is in this movie. Who he's like a he's like a you know his name probably even if you don't know his face. Um, he was in uh, what was he was in. See, this is what I'm saying. Like all these things, I don't, I can't even think. Like Brian Cox, uh, the dude who plays uh, the the one of the guys the, at the at the at the newspaper plays uh, Jack's dad on Lost. 
Mm-hmm. Um, the the dude who plays one of the police officers was in that like bat in that Batman show that was on the CW, and then there's Gotham. the. Yeah, Gotham. He plays one of the one of the people. Like, there's just so many like random faces. That it's just like, oh, I like, and I had to like, he play, like, like Harvey me. Bullock or yeah. I'm trying to think where I where it, I totally missed that if he was in that. Yeah, but or if he was in this. Um, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So there's a lot of a lot. Oh, and of, then and then Jimmy Simpson, who's in uh, Westworld. Shows yeah, up I did at, notice at him. the very end. Yeah, I noticed him. I'm like, he kind of just looks like he's just, they took him straight off of It's Always Sunny. And, you know, it was like, no, nah, you don't need to change out of your mid-poil clothes. Just come on in. You know, <laughs> seriously, uh, he looks like this, that same dude. I don't know. Have you ever yeah, seen It's Always the, Sunny? No, he, he, I haven't. He plays like a really dirty, like the mid-poils are like these gross people. So they it literally looks like they just took his costume. Just well, the like, part where I got really confused is, is John, Brian Cox was in, uh, so Brian Cox is the dude who like looks at the camera in that one scene where he's talking to, where he's talking to the Zodiac killer on, on TV and stuff. He's like looking at the camera and trying to like connect with him and stuff. Mm-hmm. And then there's this other guy in this movie who is in Magnolia, who Julian Moore was also in. Um, I think, oh, I'm going to, I'm going to eat my words if she wasn't in Magnolia. Mm. Uh, I hope she's in Magnolia because that would make me look really stupid. Um, but so then this other dude in Magnolia is like on TV and stuff. Like he's a he's the he's the trivia host in Magnolia. So I was my brain was getting all muddled because I was like, wait, that's the same guy, right? But it's totally like Brian Cox isn't in Magnolia. Like it was just yeah, yeah. that's funny. Like there's just a whole bunch of weird castings in this that are just, just drove me crazy. While I, okay, Julianne Moore is in Magnolia, so good. Okay, but um, yeah. So it's pretty much just about them trying to find the Zodiac Killer. I thought it was really really solid. I loved the way it was filmed. Some of the establishing shots for some yeah. of the locations looked so good. Yeah. Um, I mean, Fincher is freaking great at that. Yeah, like they looked, like you could tell that they're they're like computer generated, but sometimes they just looked so solid you didn't even care. The one where, like the one, the one where uh, they do a, um, where it's like the time lapse of the, and, of the building being and built. And of the building being built while at the same time they're playing the the um the what song? Yeah, it's uh, they're playing the Marvin Gaye song while while the building. People, I was like, oh, that's the, that's the stuff right there. I was I, actually my favorite song that was played in this was Hurdy Gurdy Man. Like, I yeah, love everyone that. talks about that one. It's yeah. it's it's a good like that's a song no, barely anybody yeah. ever thinks about, but it's a it's a it's a great song. They barely ever play it on the radio nowadays. You know, it's just but it, it's a, it's a jam for sure. <laughs> um, yeah. I didn't know much about the Zodiac Killer before this movie. Like yeah. I knew of the codes and I had been reading some news lately as they've been breaking some of it, like his bigger ones, uh, more and more. Yeah. Um, and they found out that the Zodiac Killer had messed up on one of his own codes. And that's mm-hmm. why it was so hard to crack mm-hmm. was because it, it went yeah, like, for, had, it had a pattern for like three, three lines or four lines. And then the, the fifth one or whatever, then he messed up and did it wrong and then the rest of it follows the original pattern the way it's supposed to be. So it just threw like this random letter in this and it didn't make sense. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but somebody finally cracked that like this year and... Well, and the way they show the code breaking in this movie is really interesting. Like they, Fincher has a real eye for detail. Um, 
Like when they you got the top down shots on all the symbols and stuff, and it's like, hey, and they take the time to explain, okay, here's how you would crack a code. You got the double L that would find out and kill. And they have the whole the whole scene where you where you figure out how that would how that would actually work, and it's and and there's it's very, the movie is very information dense in general, mm-hmm. um, similar to the social network. Like Fincher's really good at that. Um, just in terms of saying like rapid fire information, throwing stuff at you as fat and then like indiscriminately jumping between locations too, where you've got like one person says something and then you jump somewhere that's been like as an implication of what just happened. And you have to kind of like, you have, and this is great stuff where you put the get, you put, you can put the, put together the transition in your head of why we're here now. Um, yeah. like when he's taught, like when, whenever Jake Gyllenhaal is talking to, the the one guy and he's like this is where I went to get this information and they go yeah all that and stuff I love so much also I like during the transitions how they were like you know they were written in like Courier like the font you know as if it's like a screenplay yeah. reading kind of well and then I they fade and they fade out to or at the beginning they fade out to uh, the zodiac letters um, mm. during the opening title sequence yeah. Um, yeah, just uh, a this, lot of this title good sequence. In this probably even not even near the Fincher is known for his title sequences. Mm-hmm. Um, like you think of of Seven and like the the whole peeling fingernails and stuff like that, and all the weird serial serial killer stuff, and then Fight Club's like going through your brain and all that stuff. Um, or even even he, uh, did, he did Fight Club. Yeah. Oh, okay. I didn't. I I know the name, but I I'm terrible remembering what he has done. Yeah. Or even even I uh, him and and Lynch mixed up. So. Yeah, I think I think Fincher's done a lot more mainstream stuff than David Lynch is, than David Lynch has. Just in case you're like you know, who did it's probably it's probably Fincher. Yeah. Um, I mean, if it's mainstream. Lynch did a collab with one of my favorite bands, and now they're selling parts of that collab as NFTs for like the auction. I, one of them just sold for like six, sixty thousand dollars. <laughs> yeah. So <laughs> it's kind of cool. Yeah. Um, so the the then the title so the title sequence is not is not one of Fincher's best, but like it's a great title sequence. Like you get the whole the whole thing is the letter coming to the thing, and then the editor opens it, and it's like oh crap, um, like that's just great stuff. Um, but again, like just the, in terms of like level of detail that he captures here, um, density of information, it, it's very taut to like a like a Hitchcock thriller. Um, not in the same not in the same way that the, that Gone Girl is. I think Gone Girl is much more closer to his like Hitchcockian film. Um, his most Hitchcockian film, um, but again, here you you do have a dense like nothing goes wasted. You yeah. get you get somebody says uh, not many debasements are in California, and like the it's like I think it's like the thirty minute mark or something, and it gets paid off two hours and ten minutes into the movie. Like that's gr- like great stuff. Like that like that's what you want out of a out of a script like this. Um, Absolutely, you know I <laughs> watching this movie it made me want to like see if you know, Hannibal Lecter, <laughs> if they had just thrown Hannibal Lecter in this, if he could have solved it, I just would love to see that mm-hmm. mind. You do like a, a crossover between like Silence of the Lambs and, and Zodiac. Yeah. <laughs> Be an interesting, interesting film. But, uh, but yeah, do you want to start getting into stores right away? Sure. Okay. Uh, so first impression, uh, what is your first impression on this? Uh, I'll give this a nine. Um, not, and nine is, I think, a great score for me. Like this, this really is... Uh, all time or top one hundred stuff. Um, I think I think of the of the scene with the car, uh, where the where it's the overhead shot in the car, and it's like it, it's the it's just like locked onto it, and then as it turns the corner, it's just such an on uneasy feeling, um, and it, it's just perfectly in sync as it as it turns around the corner, um, and then and then it slowly fades down until we're on top of it, and then the the, the killing happens and stuff like that. I, I do want to um, say when I was talking about the transitions earlier, how much I liked them. 
I really loved the opening one with the fireworks and everything. Like the yeah. view, that mm-hmm. that shot was just yeah. gorgeous. Something about it was really aesthetically mm-hmm. pleasing. Mm-hmm. But I'm sorry, I just no, I, this, yeah. I knew there was something. But there's I all remember. kinds of stuff like that in the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 in terms of the way it captures uh, time periods, yeah. um, I was thinking of Once Upon a Time in Hollywood during the beginning of the film, um, where it's set in the '60s, and it's like you get that sort of. Uh, uh, it's not idyllic because it, it begins with the murder right away, but you do get the sense of like what once upon a time in Hollywood is trying to say in terms of like, uh, like a sort of perfect era. Yeah. And then Zodiac, you get the other side of that in a certain extent. It's, it's, it's a lot more hopeless than, than once upon a time in Hollywood was. Um, it's, it's set in the grime right from the start. But then you you move out of that. So this movie set off set across a lot longer period of time. So you move from sixties to seventies, and you end in the normally in the nineties actually, because um, you start you well. I mean the the story ends in the eighties, and then you skip ahead to the nineties for like one more scene, um, which so you really do get like uh, four decades worth of uh, of stuff, and each one of them is rendered like in a way where you get a palpable sense for like where we are and where we are and how that relates to the story. Um, and how each deck, like, and, and, and I mean, you think about, people talk about this all the time, about how decades have, like, their unique character and how, like, character can, like, inform by, like, massive events. And, like, the Zodiac, in terms of the way that it, like, I mean, I don't know how much, like, literally in the real world it actually, this actually happened, but it, you do get a sense that, like, the Zodiac and the mystery of that, to a certain extent, corrupted and, and in a sense, metaphorically, like, killed or, or people's sensibilities because it, it's, like, the mystery of it. It's not just Graysmith. It's, like, the culture at large is is affected by that. Um, and it, so, like, it's not just that the Zodiac killed five people. Or literally, we know five. I think that's the number, right? Five kill, people that he killed that we know for I sure positively. He tried to um, claim, He like claimed a lot some. more. I think the claimed, police claimed said... Like 27. It was, it was, yeah. But the police said that five was the, the the number that we know for sure positively, which again, it's the for sure positively thing that the movie's playing with. Um, yeah. But in terms of like the the people who are like the Zodiac, we want to know, we want to have it figured out, but then it's like, it's kind of like moving on and like and saying it's okay for it to be a mystery. Like, I mean, it's like, it's not okay. Like again, it's, it's that interesting moral dilemma that I think is the is the thing that really catapults this into all time status is for me. It's, it's not just a, a, a well-constructed uh, serial killer crime movie. It's got that like, crazy uh and 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 every single part of the movie is 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 engineered towards that purpose i think um from from the characters to the setting uh uh to the camera like all of that stuff like it's and it, you, you can you can go into the the details of it um i'll stop talking though <laughs> it's okay i was i was letting you go i mean it it everything you're saying was making sense yeah, yeah i i i give it a i give it a seven i i did like this movie I thought it was very, very good, but it's not like, oh my God, I need to watch this again. Oh my God, I need, I, I'm going to immediately recommend it. Yeah. I thought it was good. I, if I see it on TV, I will definitely rewatch it. Yeah. You know? Uh, well, in terms of what you said about rewatching it, I think David Fincher also has, like, for the dark subject matter that he deals in in almost every one of his films, like weirdly rewatchable. I've yeah. seen Zodiac like That's four or five times. I've seen Gone Girl like five times. Like I don't like watching these types of like sick movies where mm. they like delve in. I mean, I don't want to call it like these these movies with like really like disturbing topic matter. Oh. I don't like watching that. Like I, but uh, the way he films it, it's like 
it's it's you can't look away first of all second of all it's like done it's not done tastefully it's done viscerally and and it's not exploitative i feel like serial killer movies can so often be exploitative i think gone girl is intentionally exploitative in a lot of ways this it's very reserved you almost never see anybody actually die on camera mm. um and even like the the knife scene specifically on the beach like i i, I that that like is very disturbing specifically because it's not bloody like and it's very very, it's just, it's just the way it is. Like it's very uh, aesthetic, and it's just like cut, 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 and it's and like that. That made me like almost sick to my stomach, mm. um, because there was no blood. Um, so, but, but, but it doesn't really. Again, his movies. I mean, The Social Network. I've seen probably thirty times now. Um, oh. But yes, he 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 has this way of constructing a film that's just like you you get absorbed into, and you can't look away, um, yeah. and you want to come back to it because of that. Um, um, what year did Social Network come out? 2010. Okay, so, so only three years after this. That's yeah. why aesthetically, I feel like it has a lot of the same type of um, feel to that. Like he it had, kind of has this darker, more. Yeah. Um, have you seen Gone Girl? I've not seen because it Girl. looks it's it's very similar. I mean, even, Seven looks similar. I, I don't think he had fully like once he once you get to Zodiac in his filmography, he kind of like solidifies more. Because if you look at Alien Three, you look at Seven, and you look at Panic Room, Fight Club, those three, it's almost like he's experimenting kind of. Um, but once you get to uh, Zodiac, I think I I have to look at it actually to see it. But once you get to Zodiac, this. Uh, fight not this social network and Gone Girl and even Bank to assert to a lesser or sorry Gone Girl with the Dragon Tattoo actually so those four all have a like almost identical aesthetic to them compared to his other work mm. yeah um, but yeah I, I I would give it a seven I for this category I I did like it I in I, I am happy I got to see it and now I feel my the filmography of, of things I've seen has now become richer for yeah. have seen, yeah, for, for having seen it. So I I did enjoy it and I recommend it to people. I just don't know if I would ever like if I saw it in stores. I don't know if I'd ever buy it. Mm -hmm. I don't know if I ever need to watch it again. But I would if if the opportunity. Yeah, you know, I'm not just not gonna seek it out again. I guess is the way to put it. That's why yeah. I give it a seven. That's where a seven stands. Sure. Um, next category. Curious piece of Benjamin Button actually he made between Zodiac and Social Network, which is and again really I can weird. see similar similar aesthetic stuff for that too because he. I mean, he does still has he still has his don't use handheld rule very often. The, um, he still has his sleekness, um, but again, it's it feels very different from the other four that I mentioned. Yeah, and that um, also is just a very weird concept in general. That whole movie, but I I really like it actually, but. Oh, I, um, I'm not saying I dislike. No, no, I, I, movie, I'm not but, saying you do. Yeah, but I'm just saying it's like his, it some is, of his other ones is, are more grounded in reality, is, and yeah. then that one's just kind of left field. Um, so yeah, next category. It, it's would not be, one that you would typically say. Oh yeah, David Fincher definitely made that. Yeah. <laughs> um, story is the next category. I really liked it. I thought the way that they divulge um, information, the way that you kind of are finding this all out yeah. with Joan Hall. Throughout the whole thing, that's that's quite enjoyable, and I think the pacing was really well done for as many time skips as they mm -hmm. had. And it just kind of feels like you can pick right up where you left off, and they show you what they need to show you. I mean, because it's it's constant information, so you you, yeah. you don't you can't get bored because you're constantly needing to pay attention to the details. Yeah. So, for story, I would give this an eight. Yeah. 
I am almost to a 10 for this. I, I really think it's that good. Um, I feel like for a 10, this would need to have a more satisfying resolution. But that's but the whole point. I get that's the That's point. the whole point. I get that's yeah. the point. But that's the thing that's holding me back is that I, it wasn't the most, it wasn't as satisfying as I would like it to be. If I'm going to dedicate two hours and 30, 30 minutes of my time to see a murder mystery film. I, I mean, I realize that in real life, they never really found the actual guy. They had strong hunches on certain on certain people, but like, I, I just, I just look for a little more resolution. Right, but that's that's what that's specifically what makes it special for me um, is that it, it it doesn't resolve because it can't. It, it's not it's not possible. Which 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 is which is what would make it feel like an impossibility with all like it's it's again I. This this feels like a TV show that went for two seasons, and the third season was going to be like the final one, and they just and then it got canceled between two and three. That's what it feels like to me a little bit. Well, it's like I a great TV I, show. I don't disagree with you because it's it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't uh, <laughs> it doesn't satisfy our 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 need for resolution. Yeah, and 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 for the characters as well in but the I same way that, that we that an we intentional are intentional choice yeah. for him to do it that way. And yeah, um, and, yeah. But you give it a 10, okay, we can move on to our next category. Acting. Acting's top notch. I liked yeah. everybody. And what's funny is actually there's somebody in my in, in real life that I know that acts a lot like Robert Downey Jr. does in this before he goes like crazy. <laughs> just a complete with, character. Well, that that just kind of real snappy, yeah. uh, quick kind of snide, but like clearly sarcastic remarks. Mm -hmm. Like I know somebody who's like pretty much the embodiment of that. And it's sometimes those people are just the most fun to be around. Yeah. Um. So just with the realism of that and knowing somebody who's like that, I, yeah. Yeah, I, if you want to know how I would react to somebody like that just watch how jake gyllenhaal reacts to to robert downey jr because <laughs> he's basically me you need to come with <laughs> in me in terms of how a, he how he socializes or I'm, I'm not i don't think i'm that awkward but like just in terms of like how he when he's like when he says to robert downey jr um i like to read you know um i love books and he's like those are the same thing <laughs> i'm like that's something i would literally or, say or the looming like you know yeah what, what do we talk about you know? <laughs> the l word yeah looming <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I don't know. I know somebody who's very, very similar to Robert Downey Jr.'s character before he goes all crazy druggy towards yeah. the end of it. So, uh, like eager in terms of Jake Gyllenhaal, like eager, Boy Scoutish, obsessive. Like I'm like I feel uh, it's also fun to watch. I Mark feel Ruffalo. Uh, uh, not uh, uh, called out. <laughs> yeah, Mark Ruffalo is funny. Like when. Jake Jonal shows up at his house. He's like, grab my gun, you know, call the he's, even though he knows exactly who it is, he's just joking. Yeah. Like, yeah, I'm gonna shoot this guy. Or when he like, when he knocks over the lamp at the beginning trying to get the phone, and the first thing he says when yeah. he picks up is you owe me a new lamp, whoever yeah, this is. Like, yeah, all right. Now before I go, I'm gonna tell you the, about more about this lamp. Yeah. <laughs> his obsession with animal crackers too. And yeah, like, and food. That. Food throughout the entire movie. He's always eating something. Yeah. Take, takes the tomato off the sandwich, like all those little. He's like does yeah. so many weird specific a things with acting, food. Acting, I'm gonna give it a nine. I just yeah. want to get this. We'll get the store out, and we got to about um, four minutes here. So I, I, I'm almost going ten for this again. Like the, literally, the only thing I could possibly say negatively about the acting is that I'm like, oh wait, where do I know that person from? Like that's the only thing that I was like distracted by in this movie. It's but that's like many, my own fault. Too many like, it's not, kind of like pseudo celebrities. Yeah, that it's, are like, it's, not, it's not any fault of the movie. Like they're still all giving great performances. Okay, um, it's just a weird thing that my brain did. Um, look and feel. This is great. Uh, I Again, there were multiple scenes where I just loved the transitions and that looked really good. You're right that 
you know, the way that they do the killings and stuff is not so egregious and, and gory that it's like it's almost hard to watch. But at the same time, it's not easy to watch. Yeah. And that's a hard balance to do. Yeah. I mean, you, you watch like the TV show Hannibal or you probably have never seen it because mm-hmm. that would be like way too far on the like yeah. the gore side. So um, or uh, American Horror Story, like yeah. a freak show was way too much for me. So like things like that. Yeah. So look and feel is fantastic. I think they do the eras right. You had great points on that already. So 10 out of 10 for look and feel for me. Yeah, I think I'll give this a nine. I the weird thing about this is I I always think is is because it's it's a it's a weird is Fincher held back by his we're gonna literally shoot everything on a tripod no. uh, mentality and I don't think it is like it's what makes it the thing about this that's so interesting to me though is that there's like there's the one scene that he that he shoots handheld and it's the scene where Mark Ruffalo comes and walks up to the cabbie ki- the the cabbie killing. Mm-hmm. Um, and the whole scene is shot with handheld. And every time that comes up, I'm I didn't like, even notice. Okay, because it's very obvious when it's when, just because it's it's that different from the rest of the film. And it's like, yeah. okay, why? Like it's 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 such a fascinating artistic choice maybe, to me. Maybe it wasn't an artistic. Maybe it was a practical choice. I always think that because it's like, did he just like? Well, he might have had need to go over to rush, a curb or and it's just like an interesting like, thing that happened. Maybe he had to go um, over a curb. Like Doesn't in Social Network, he has the scene where he shoots that scene handheld, where Justin Timberlake is walking out into the into the hallway, and that's the only scene. That, and that, but that makes sense for his character here. It's just like. I'm not, I'm not I feel feeling, like I'm not sure maybe, of maybe the cinematographer I got really sick. like the decision maybe the cinematographer got why. sick but again and then not understanding like why guy. is part of the movie um, I, I love pointing that out it's just like art whenever you don't know why it's, you don't know why and you have to be okay with it I love there that feeling too there might have been a sub too. I mean who knows like I said there right. might have been the cinematographer but might have been but even if it is out. a practical thing I like it, it still has the effect on the movie and it can yeah. still be a a mystery um, experience I will give this a ah, 9 or 10 I think I'm going to say 9 I mean, I, there's I don't know what it is holding it back from a 10 it's it's just it's again a gut thing I'm saying 9 uh, I'm going to give it an 8 I definitely was very excited to watch this film I liked watching it um, I had to sadly do some stuff midday uh, once I started watching it so then I but I was like eager to come back like oh my gosh I wish I had Netflix the, the Netflix app on my phone because I'd just be watching it while I was waiting at something and so I, I definitely enjoyed it, and it was it was a blast to watch. Um, definitely a fun like first watch kind of movie, yeah. Like one that I think would lose its wonder as time goes on. But well, in terms of score, this is this is near the top of our list. Uh, we got an eighty nine out of one hundred on this, um, I wasn't which sure is if it was kind of cracked ninety or the not. same score as Into the Spider Verse. One less than Twelve Angry Men. Um, All right, so like super high score for us. Yeah, um, yeah, that's definitely definitely so like great like, great film. Check it out on Netflix. Yeah, it's on Netflix. It's on Paramount. It's on Paramount Plus, which is where I walked in, <laughs> watched it. It's also on Criterion Channel, which I was considering renewing my subscription for, but I was like, I don't want to pay ten bucks just to watch this. I'll uh, wait till the next thing I want to okay. watch is on there. Well, thank you for tuning in here to 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh. This has been Script to Screen. Uh, thanks for bearing with us as we've moved now to a new time for the next uh, few weeks here. And hopefully by next season, we'll be back uh, on Tuesdays. But we shall see where that all uh, ends up when we get to that point. But thank you. This is 90.3 WRST FM Oshkosh.